I'm Elise Orlowski, a senior video director here at Kramer. And I'm Trip Underwood, a creative director at Kramer. And at Kramer, we work with so many incredibly fascinating people from all over multiple industries. We have so many great conversations, many that are just too good to keep to ourselves. So now we're sharing them with the world. Right here from Kramer Studios. This is Pivot Points. As everybody knows, COVID-19 impacted virtually every industry in the world in the past few years. Uh, Some got a lot quieter, like live and in-person events like we do, and some things got busier, like virtual events, which we now also do. Uh, But pretty much every industry went through some kind of lull, rush, lull, rush kind of pattern. But there's one industry I know of that had zero lulls. It basically got very busy in the early days and kind of stayed at 100% going forward, and that's the world of healthcare marketing and communications. And today we're talking with somebody who who lived that rush firsthand and is still navigating the after effects. We're excited to actually welcome Kelly St. Vrain, who is the Vice President of Digital Marketing, Communications, and Creative at Siemens Health and Ears. She works in global branding, and she's a healthcare marketing veteran. She's a longtime friend and partner of Kramer, and so we're really thrilled to actually have you here today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. You know, I actually remember the very first Kramer interaction I had um, this is totally dating myself. I actually looked you guys up in the white pages. Um, I, our offices are just down the street. Yeah. And so we were looking for somebody to um, bring like staging equipment to some. We had a doctor from Mass General who was coming to talk to our employees. Yeah. And of course, nobody had like, you know, PowerPoint projectors and things like that <laughs> in those days. So it was like, oh, how are we going to let this guy speak? And I just was like. Mm-hmm. Production company. Oh, there's one down the street. <laughs> and that was like 27 years ago. <laughs> so Kelly, I just want to uh, reflect back on early 2020. And you and I, you were actually in an edit suite and we were working probably on some product launch. And all of a sudden the phone started going nuts and we had to get find you a, a conference room and something was happening. Something was happening in China that uh, that was going to all of a sudden impact healthcare pretty significantly. I think we were producing some kind of event or something and um, it was a very crazy time. And all of a sudden, you know, the phones start ringing and it's like, what is this going on? We've heard rumors. We've kind of heard the rumblings of something going on in China. But my company is actually based in Europe. And... Um, it started to kind of move this way, right? And and I do remember that, that I got the phone call that it's like, okay, it's it's time. Priorities started yeah. shifting. Yeah. Time, <laughs> time to jump into action, everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, you know, that happened. It's two years. I don't feel the need to belabor the point. I think everyone remembers pretty clearly. Um, and a lot of things changed. And, and here we are today. Talk to me a little bit about the state of the industry of, of healthcare marketing communications. Where are we? What learnings do you think we saw in those kind of two years? What do you think is going to stick around? What do you think maybe has gone with the pandemic, so to speak? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, especially in my industry, which is in vitro diagnostics, it's blood and urine, um, has not always been the sexiest topic <laughs> for people to talk about. Uh, but, you know, we were thrust into the limelight in a way that we weren't really expecting. Um, all of a sudden, you know, you went from being at the cocktail party and you mentioned what you do with blood and urine and people are kind of like, oh, thanks, I'll talk to you later. And, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to all of a sudden, everyone you know asking you questions about assays and testing 
and what what is sensitivity and specificity? And so it, it became um, very much in the forefront. And I think that really changed the way we thought about communications. Um, you know, we're typically a B2B business and usually we're talking healthcare pri provider to healthcare provider. All of a sudden, um, even though technically our business model was still B2B, everybody was interested. Mm -hmm. And so we had to tailor the communications in a very different way so that they were understandable by those audiences that don't live in in vitro diagnostics every day. And that meant being very clear um, and you know, trying to take these, what are sometimes very complicated medical processes and, and make them simple for everyone. So I think that's something that really has stuck around as well. Um, you know, people are people, and even our, our B2B customers really appreciate being clear, being simple, and, you know, trying to be a little bit more authentic and real when you're having those conversations with them, even if it isn't advertising. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because I know that, you know, health literacy has already, always been out there, but, you know, all of a sudden patients became consumers and the need to be direct and the need to be um, clear. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's, um, you know, even though somebody wasn't out necessarily buying the test that they were going to get mm -hmm. um, in the early days of the pandemic, they were still having to go to the lab and get a test done. They were very interested in it and people became very consumer like um, in that way. They wanted to know which test is best. How do I know which one is the right one? What is a total assay versus what is an IgG assay? And, you know, that really is not something everybody talks about every day. So the need to do that education, what's the difference between a PCR and an antigen test, became very, very important. Um, and it was really that consumerism that we started seeing that made you realize that things were were different. Yeah. How did, um, you know, traditionally you, you've done product launches throughout, and then I imagine that something's got ramped up while something's got slowed down during the pandemic. But did that experience change your approach to marketing strategy when it comes to product launch at all? Oh, for sure. I mean, we couldn't get out and use our normal channels um, during that time. You know, we're not sending salespeople into the customer accounts unless it was like absolutely necessary. So the human element disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, and and for those relationships, it became very strained because how do we make sure that we're still engaging in those relationships and, and servicing the customers in the same way that we always had? Um, and particularly when you're launching a product, you rely on things like trade shows, yep. for example. Um, that's a very human person-on-person -person interaction. And without that channel available to us, we had to find new ways to do that. And um, Siemens Health and Years in particular jumped on that really early. Okay. And um, we built our own platform to be able to have this dialogue and engage with the customers in a way that still felt like it was human. Okay. Um, and that's not easy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a computer. It's a mobile device. But we really tried to make sure that we had um, the experience of getting a product demo on the computer as much as we could as if you were standing there. And so we spent a lot of time with Kramer really trying to figure out like, how do you take this 3D model and make it seem like it's there with you and be able to open the hood and see what's underneath it. Um, and so that was, you know, successful for what we needed to do at the time. Um, I'm, I'm glad trade shows are coming back because <laughs> I miss being out there with people. But it, it was definitely something that's not going to go away because um, even after the trade shows were over, what we noticed was our sales force 
really liked having those because the customers don't always have time to do the in-person engagement and to be able to kind of jump on a virtual event and be able to just show here's how this works. um, The customers really appreciate that because it was like, okay, it's simple. I get it. I understand. Yeah, I think that's across industries, this idea of suddenly the digital or the virtual or what have you replacing the in-person, like that's never going to happen and never anyone's intention. I think what the, the goal now is we learned some things. There's things we liked about the virtual. There's obviously things that we're never going to take away from the in-person. How can we try to combine the best of both worlds? So we're casting a wider net because audiences are changing too. And I think the audience at home became very accustomed to being marketed directly to. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of those people that doesn't like trade shows, for instance, you don't want to be left out of the conversation. And I think That's it gives right. us more tools to work with. I mean, it's, it's more work to do, but it gives us more tools to reach the people we need to reach. Yeah, I mean, we think about it as digital facilitating the okay. relationship, I, like I think, a lot of ways. Um, and there's different kinds of relationships. Like, we really leverage digital trying to also help out our sales force. Um, you know, using digital marketing campaigns so that we can really give people a little bit of that, like, self-service up front so that this, the burden is also off of our salespeople to be in every single engagement and, and be able yep. to interact with customers when they want them there. Mm. Um, and I think that's really helped us because it's it has facilitated the relationship. Even though I'm not maybe sitting here in person with them, you're still having that um, touch point. Touch points. Touch points are I, I think it's also giving you the opportunity to bring access to individuals they wouldn't have the opportunity to speak to. So whether it's senior leadership at Siemens Health and Ears or whether it's key opinion leaders, et cetera, that are able to talk with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our um, you know CEO frequently is doing video addresses and things like that so that everyone can kind of experience what it's like to, to listen to her and be able to, um, you know, get that trade show-like experience even if you're not there. What other trends are you seeing within the trade show space now they're starting to come back? I know you've worked in a few so far this year. We've worked together on some projects. Is there anything you've seen on the floor that you like or like any ways the industry has changed and you think is going to be continuing to evolving? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the way we go to trade shows is con- going to continue to change. Okay. Um, you know, over the past couple of years, they've been smaller, okay. uh, mostly just for the reason you'd expect that there's not as many people there. Um, But as they're really starting to come back, we're also seeing a lot more prioritization um, and, you know, trying to focus on the topics that you know you can't get any other way than a trade show and being able to push some of the other types of activities to a digital space. So it's much more of a hybrid experience now um, as opposed to like being one or the other. Now you really can get that hybrid feeling because you might go to the show floor one day and, you know, kick the tires on Mm -hmm. whatever the new hot thing is. Um, But then you might attend a webinar or some kind of education event online. Um, And that's great because, you know, even at trade shows, people are vying for space and you're elbowing people out of the way and you can't see the (laughs) webinar that great. So, you know, there's there's certain things that I think digital actually does better. Um, in a lot of ways where you can really kind of focus on the content and you're not being, um, you know, distracted or jostled or whatever yeah. reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've definitely seen it kind of a scaling down of, of the actual space and really focusing that space on 
the experiential aspects of marketing as opposed to let's have every shiny new object that we right. have. Let's really focus on what experience are we trying to create for the customers. Which I think is very valid and not unique to your industry. If you think about, I mean, the research I've done, travel budgets are shrinking like across your, so if, if you used to send some, you know, a sales rep or a, a purchaser to six different expos a year, that person might only be going to one or two now, which means you as a vendor there needs to really double down on making that impression. And to your point of maybe it's better to make a big splash in a representation and focus your energy and then have those continual touch points throughout the year as opposed to trying to be all things to all people. Because if we don't get them this time, we'll get them next time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's kind of this like Netflix experience that you want to create so that it's it's really delving into what is that person as an individual interested in and what can we deliver to them that's of their interest as opposed to just broadcasting kind of one thing out to everybody. We want to be able to recommend based on their interest. And and I think that's really um, helped our our customers also focus their time. They're busy. Yes. Their you know, travel budgets are shrinking. They want to make the most of their time. And I think that digital marketing has really helped us do that for them. Has it helped you stand out against your competition? Um, yeah, I think it has in some ways. I mean, particularly with Siemens Health and Ears, you know, we have this great brand that we can lean yeah. into. And um, I think seeing a Netflix-like experience coming from Siemens Health and Ears will really, the customers have an ease of use to that experience. Um, and I think our brand itself lends it, itself very well to being simplistic and clean and um, accessible. You know, we really want to make sure that, there, that there's access out there for everybody who wants to get this information. Um, and so I think that that has helped us um, take a step in a direction that maybe not everybody has um, in terms of making sure that we're providing that online or digital experience, whether it's, you know, through advertising or whether it's through some kind of online webinars or educational services or just our, you know, regular website, making sure that that is built up in a way that customers can really interact with it as opposed to consume it. Well, so much of your solutions and devices are built around customability anyway. You know, that idea of the flexibility and being able to use the users. Absolutely. There's no reason why the marketing can't uh, take some of its own medicine to use a medical product. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's all part of the same thinking, right? Exactly. We want to make things as customized to individual people as we can. I mean, businesses are businesses, but they're made up of people. And we want to make sure that the people have what they need. And that's part of why the the instruments that we sell are also highly customizable. So is the marketing. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to really make that feel very cohesive. And so is the future of healthcare from what I'm told. So this is just (laughs) true. Healthcare (laughs) is human. Uh, That's all the time we have today. I want to thank our guest Kelly, of course, my co-host Julie, and everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode of Pivot Points. Thanks, Thanks, guys. guys.